Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are the cornerstone. Our lives are to be built on you and nothing less or nothing more than you. Father, when we build our lives on less than you, we crumble. And when we build our lives on more than you, we topple. So Lord, help us to remove everything off of the foundation of Christ or to shore up our lives under your foundation, whichever the case may be, that we would know that whatever storms come our way, you will cause us to stand strong. However weak we may feel, you would strengthen us. Whatever enemies lie before us, Lord, that you would go in front of us, that you'd be a shield for us. Whatever despair we may face, Lord, that you would lift our hearts. And whatever death we would face, Lord, that we would fear not, for you are with us. We open ourselves to you today, Jesus. We want to be your people. We want to be your church. We want to be transformed by your power. That's why we're here. So have your way in us, holy God. Receive our praise and let our hearts be focused completely on you. God, those things that we lift up to you in prayer, receive them to us. Lord, we pray them all today with hearts that are focused on you, hearts of gratitude, hearts of joy, and Lord, maybe hearts of pain, knowing that you can take it all. And Father, we lift all of these things to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior and King, who when asked how should we pray, taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, In the next, uh, these past few weeks and in the next few weeks, um, we're not going to do the typical United Methodist Church thing where we say the scripture reading for today is this. Um, because rather than have one scriptures, we're going to have um, scriptures um, infused throughout the message, uh, like Keith and I often do. But the reason we're doing that is in this Should You Join uh, sermon series, we're looking at the Methodist membership vows and going backwards to see what in scriptures influenced them uh, so that we as look we can look at them through those discerning eyes of scripture. Now, when, when we... Uh, look at should we join and what this series is all about is it's to help those of you that are uh, long-term members of the church to really look at uh, the vows you made when you became a a Christian or when you joined uh, a United Methodist Church and and say am I living up to the standard that I've put out in front of myself am I reaching to God with what what I am supposed to be reaching and for those of you that are new and are trying to figure out like is this a place I want to get involved in is this congregation it to help you see what it is that we expect, what God expects for us uh, as members of, of the church. So we're going to go right into the, the part of our vow, and we're going to do this over six or 12 weeks now, uh, and we're three weeks in. So the, the vow that we're going to look at is this. Uh, it says in, in our United Methodist membership vows, 
Will you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord? Now, as you look at that screen, I've underlined the word confess because confess is a double-sided word in the Christian faith. Of course, confess always means that you acknowledge what you've been done wrong, right? Like, okay, I confess, I ate the last piece of chocolate cake. You know, we confess that kind of stuff. Or we, we say, I confess, I was going a little bit over the speed limit. Or, more importantly to this discussion, we say, you know, I confess that the way I live my life is not measuring up to what God uh, would have it be. So I confess of my sins, and, and I acknowledge that I'm wrong. Now, the other side of this double-sided word also means when you confess something, it means you own something. You profess your truth. And when you, when you confess Jesus Christ your, your, as your Savior and Lord, you're saying, this is my truth. Jesus is the truth of my life. And so when we say, in, in our membership vows, when we say to confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, what we're saying is confess means you're, you're both claiming and proclaiming your truth. You're claiming that you fall short of Christ, and you're proclaiming that you have no other hope than him, right? Okay, so this is where it leads us to. In Romans chapter 10, we find these words. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. See, it's very important for us in our membership vows to put what's important to us, which I call our important, it's important for us to put our important into words. Many years ago, when I was a young pastor, I was standing in the equivalent of the narthex of a church with one of my youth counselors. Her name was Dottie. Dottie was 25 years of age, and we were there for the occasion of celebrating the life and the resurrection to eternal life of her husband who had been killed in a motorcycle accident. So when you're 25, you have not been very married very long. And Dottie, of course, like any of us would be in that kind of a situation, was absolutely dissolving. And, and I kind of went up to her and offered her, you know, an arm and a shoulder and talked to her for a minute. And she just picked her head up. And she says, Pastor Mike, the worst thing about all this is that I never told him what I really thought of him. She had this important thing she wanted to say to her husband after two years of marriage. She hadn't ever told her important, and she had never said it out loud. And it's so important for us to say what's important to us. I I stood out in that narthex a few years ago before one of the marriages of one of our couples here in the church, a couple that worships with us every week and that, that profoundly believes in Jesus Christ. And they said, Pastor Mike, we're so grateful that you're going to do our wedding And when we come to the day of our our wedding, will you make sure that you proclaim Jesus Christ and put Christ in the center of our marriage ceremony because we have some of our family members that we love very much that don't know the Lord and haven't received him as their Lord and Savior. So at our wedding, will you make sure that you tell the salvation message? That's putting your important out there. That's what's important to, to that couple. And it's important for us to put our important into words. We find Jesus telling us this in Matthew 10 where he says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge also before my Father in heaven. See, so I say to church members and those that are moving towards church membership or, or, or are inclined to thinking about church membership in either this church specifically or the church of Jesus Christ as a whole, it's important for you to put your important and be able to put the consonants and the vowels in the right order so that you might say your important in words. 
to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to say, I declare this and I believe this. It's very important because genuine belief always acknowledges Jesus Christ out loud. Genuine belief always acknowledges Jesus Christ out loud. Right now, in our confirmation cycle, I I teach confirmation students uh, on Wednesday afternoons, and they're, they're 12 and 13 years of age, and I tell you what, they are a delight to work with. I love doing it. This time of the year, we're giving them the opportunity to preach to Pastor Mike and their group. They get to stand up in front of their group, and they love doing this, by the way. Really, they do. We help them organize a little talk. They get three minutes. Three minutes. Now, for some girls, that is a horrible challenge because they can't possibly get done in that quick of a time. For some boys, crossing that minute mark is pretty difficult to get to. And not only that, that's even with them seeing outside the windows. Hey, that's a bus. Hey, Pastor Mike, Walgreens is over there. You know, so they got all that going on, right? But I asked them to talk about their commitment to Jesus Christ, okay? And so this past week, I was saying, you know, tell us how you're committed to Jesus Christ. Put this next slide on, and this is what happened. This is something I tweeted last week. I tweeted, the best sentence today came from a seventh grader who in the middle of her sermon said, What's the best moment that's ever happened in my life? When Pastor Keith invited me at 412 to give my life to Jesus, and I did. That's really cool. I gave my life to Jesus, but look at the rest of the sentence, and I still do. The I did is kind of easy, but the I do is moment by moment throughout your whole life. You know, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we have to be able to say it with our words. And I'll tell you what, when you look at a slide like that, that's why he and I get out of bed in the morning to bring the gospel to to students, to bring the gospel to adults and pray that they will give and you will give your lives to Christ and be able to say it. And I want to tell you how how, how important this is because all of us need to put our important into words. And we can do that pretty simply. We we all affiliate with something. You and I affiliate with something. Let's go easy on this. All of you, if I said, what's your favorite team? You could come up with a name in your life, right? And I want to show you a little bit of an example. Because in a minute, I'm going to go one, two, three, go, and then I want you to yell out the name of your team, okay? So it might be Hawks, Cyclones, Lions, Indians, Pirates, whatever, okay? So you ready? Instructions clear enough? Seventh graders got it, so I know you can. All right. One, two, three, go. So here's the thing, yeah. (laughs) So we we had Hawks, we had Clones, we had Panthers, we had Lions, we had Cougars, we had Indians, we had all those names yelled out just now. But here's the thing. When you're asked to yell out your favorite team, who you affiliate with, very few of you went, go Hawks, go Lions, go Cyclones. I mean, you bring it up there. You you use those proper breathing techniques and you go, go Clones, right? Or whatever your team is. Well, I know you wouldn't, but you can repent of that later. The... um, But, but you bring it out, and if I said to you, you know, hey, everybody scream out their favorite food, you're not going like, to go like, oh, well, I like spaghetti, you know? You're like, spaghetti's awesome, or what, whatever it is. And like, <laughs> I tickled the front row, that's nice. And if you're playing that game, you know, dice in your, in your home, like last night, maybe you're playing with your friends or something like that, and you threw, you know, you threw five of a kind, N- nobody in here, you know, playing that game would say, eh, I got a Yahtzee. You're like, Yahtzee! I got them all! You know, we scream out what's important to us. And I tell you this to lead this, because there are scripture verses that are so important to me that I have a hard time when they're my important 
that's been infused in my heart by God to not just scream them out. But I'm going to do my best because we're in a Methodist church. So put this next scripture up. I'll read it Methodist, and then I'll read it the way it comes to me. It's a Methodist reading. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. Amen? Now, that's, that's it. Thank you, Gene. That is not how I read this. When I see this, this thing says, trust in your heart. Trust in the Lord with all, all of your heart. And lean not onto your own understanding, because that's where I leave, my own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You see, the second part of our important, when we confess ourselves to Jesus Christ, is we vow to put our whole trust in his grace. And anytime I'm putting all of anything in, that's not a quiet thing. That's not a simple thing. You're taking everything you are, everything you're going to be, emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically even, at sometimes you're saying, I'm throwing my lot with God. I'm throwing everything I got with God. And we're putting, having a single-minded, single-minded commitment. And, and, and the thing of it is, is Jesus makes it really simple for us to turn your life over to God's guidance. Let me give you an example. I got this testimony this week, and I just want to tell you, I didn't want to get this testimony because it's from my oldest daughter. She sent me an email. She says, Dad, it's been a really hard week. Cameron, that's her husband, got her identity stolen, his identity stolen. We've been calling everybody, sending emails to everything to try to undo that. Then... My first two payments of my Methodist loan for college, I paid the money, they cashed the checks, but told me they didn't get them. And then on Thursday, Cameron got hit by a semi and his car is totaled. That's a bad week in anybody's management. But listen to this. Here's the last sentence of her email. On a positive note, it has been cool to watch the Lord show us what it truly means to trust him. That's awesome. I love that kid. She's listening to what her dad said. But how, how, how many of us have that kind of a mudslide in our lives and as an outcome say, well, that was really cool. I've learned how to trust the Lord more. But that's what Jesus tells us. He says in Matthew 6, Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You ask yourself, should I join? Well, are you ready to put your whole trust in the Lord? Are you ready to put your important with the Lord? This takes single-minded commitment to God and to trust your life with God. And this is what it means. We have to put God first in our lives. And that means we fill our thoughts with his desires. I was at one of these gatherings that sometimes as a pastor and maybe just as friends you get to go to. I can't remember actually what it was anymore. It was a 50th anniversary or a... Or a birthday party or something like that, but it's a bunch of people uh, advanced past my age, sitting together having cake, okay? And we're having cake, and I'm sitting with this couple across the table from me, and they're talking, and he's looking for something in his mind to tell me a story about something, and, and he can't find it. He can't find what he's looking for in his mind, and so he just looks at her, and then he looks at me, and he says, well, she knows what I'm thinking about. And she's like, yes, I do. I'm like, that is so awesome. Now, they don't have ESP. I mean, they might have ESPN, but they don't have ESP. They just know each other so well. They have, over the years, built this relationship of love and trust and watched how each other act, watched what each other like, watched what others' interests in, and they've come together in such a way that, 
they don't truly know every single thought, but they know how to anticipate each other. They know, they, they've, they've put themselves into each other's thoughts and each other's desires. You know, what a beautiful thing it is when God calls us to the same, to fill our thoughts with his desires, and he hasn't left us with a question mark. You see, if I want to introduce to you one of my best friends, I would not introduce or bring up to you uh, someone that I met at coffee this morning. It would be somebody that I've known for a long time, that we've shared life with, that we've gone through the ups and downs of life, and you would be the same way. Your best friend you did not meet today. But God has given us this great opportunity to know him, first through all the mighty acts of God throughout history, through his creation story, and for us, by giving us access to his way and will through the Old and New Testaments. From the very story of Genesis to the very last page in Revelation, he tells the story of how he interfaces with himself with us. He teaches us that we can meditate upon those scriptures and through them we'll get to know his mind better. Therefore, we can fill our thoughts with his thought. He teaches us that we can throw ourselves down in prayer before him and and come to know him on a more intimate basis. And and he teaches us that, that if we're inclined to do so, we can get close and get to know more about him so that our thoughts will be filled with his desires. Because left to our own devices, and you know this to be true, other people, our own goals, objects or some of our stuff will completely fill our minds and disrupt us from tracing God, from tracing down God if we don't actively seek to fill our minds with God's desires, something else will put it in there. So that, so that's first. So when you put God first in your life, you fill your thoughts with his desires. Secondly, you take his character as a model for your own. And this is very very important. I was watching something on TV the other day, and it was about, you know, these two guys they're about 10 years apart in age, these two brothers. And, and I don't really remember the, even the context, but, but the one brother pointing to his older brother saying, you know what, I didn't always know what to do in my life, but he always did. So I just modeled my life after his. He's my role model. That's taking someone else's character as a model for yours. And that's what we're supposed to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Christian is supposed to pay such close attention to what God's doing in the, in the Scriptures in the Old Testament, what God's doing in the Spirit that He lays into His church, what God's doing in the world out there, that we know how to model ourselves after Him in everything that we say and do. So, so we, put our, we put His character as our model for ours. And thirdly, when we put God first in our lives, we seek to serve Him in everything. See, discipleship is not a part-time gig. There's no asterisk. You can't say, well, I'll serve God with my time, but not my essence. Or I'll serve God with my thoughts, but I won't do anything about it. Or I'll give God my stuff, you know, my secondhand clothes and stuff. I'll take them to Salvation Army, but I'm not going to give him my money. That's not how it works. When you trust God with everything, everything you are and everything you're going to be, we have to put in trust to God. We have to serve Him with everything. That's why it says in Psalm 37, verse 4, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of His heart. See, trust is precious to us. And we need to fully trust God. And we have a hard time with that, which is interesting to me. We have a hard time trusting God because we trust others all the time. Take a look at this picture. Put that next picture up there. Raise your hand if you've ever been in one of these things, an airplane. Okay, keep your hand up if you interviewed the pilot before you got on. What were you people thinking of? You know what happens to these things sometime, right? 
I mean, I get on these airplanes. Some of you, have, I, I talked to a guy this morning that's flown over a million miles. He's never talked to a pilot ever. We don't know where these people are from, and yet we trust them, right? I mean, we assume that Delta or American or whoever has done some sort of vetting process. You know, where'd you go to school? Learn how to be a pilot. Okay, Acme Easy Pilot School. Good, you're in. Take a billion-dollar aircraft, fly it. No. And then, you know, they come, their voice comes on during your flight. You're flying, this is the captain. You're like, okay. It could be some seventh grader on a cell phone on the ground, too. We don't know. I don't know the captain. You know, the only time I ever meet the captain, you do the same way. When you've had that landing that's like, bam, bam, bam. Arr! You're like, thanks, captain. He's like, I blew that. <laughs> well, I'm just like saying, thanks for not killing me, you know. But we trust men and women we don't even know to fly us from here to Spain or from here to, to wherever, don't you? I mean, haven't you trusted that? I mean, I know this happened in my life. I had a knee injury about 12 years ago. I needed a knee surgery. I had never met my surgeon. They rolled me into Mary Greeley Hospital. It was a Wednesday morning. Doctor came in. His name's Dr. Buck. And that's what he got from me, too. But anyway. Anyway. He actually is real good, that dude. But I'd never met him up till that day. Never met him till that day. He came over, he looked at my knee, and I said, hey, doc, I only got two of these knees. Do a good job. He says, hey, it's Wednesday morning for me. Go to sleep. That was our trusting relationship right there. But I laid my whole life in his hands. You know, when you give somebody anesthetic, you can do whatever they want to you. You know, I don't paint faces on you or something like that. But I woke up, my knee was better. I, I didn't know the man, and I trusted him. Here's one picture. Take a look at this picture. You ever done this? Okay. First of all, how many of you need a helmet to go swimming? Okay. Now let's think through what you've done here. The last time I was in Colorado, I went down the Arkansas River, went down level five, and if you know anything about, or level four, if you know anything about white water, they're one to five, five being the hardest. They strap all the stuff on us. They put our wetsuits on, put our, swim, our uh, life jackets on, and then you meet your guide who looks to me like a college junior, Right? And he is, you know, he comes out with the paddle. He says, I'll be your guide today. And when I say do this, do this. When I say do this, do this. And you're like, okay. I don't know where they met that guy. I don't know what his training's from. We all jumped in the raft and paid $100 to ride with him, right? And he's like, laugh, laugh. And we got through there and we, we lived through it. But think about how much you trust people that you don't even know. I mean, I don't even know this kid's, kid's name. And for five hours, my life was in his hands in his mind, in his guidance, his leadership. I trusted that kid. But why is it that we don't trust the God sometimes who made the universe, who made our thoughts, who gave us the opportunity to breathe in and out of our lungs, our hearts to beat every moment, and yet we withhold trust from him when we give it to people like that? We, we, we have to, to be able to trust the Lord with all of our heart. You see, the, tr the Christian trusts that God will care for us better than we know how to care for ourselves. We put our whole trust in His grace, and here's why. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says this, for God chose, that's a circle, an underlined word, God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour His anger on us. See, we need to save. God's grace provides us a rescue, even though we don't deserve it. I used to bring a guy in about every year in my last church to preach the financial message every year. And this is how he'd start his sermon. I mean, I paid him money for this. He would come into the front of the church and he'd just look at my congregation. He'd say, now if God is fair and we get what we deserve, we all go to hell. I'm like, ouch, dude, I'm paying you for this. 
But then I thought, man, that's biblical. That's right. We don't want fair from God. Because you know your life, your thoughts, your mind, and I know mine. We want mercy. We want salvation that comes because God has chosen not to pour his anger down on upon us for what we deserve. So instead of pushing his anger upon us, God saves us by faith. Now, as I turn this thing towards home, let's look at why, why God saves us by faith alone. I'm going to look at four thoughts. The first one is this. Faith eliminates pride of human effort because salvation is not a deed that we do. Faith eliminates the pride of human effort because it is not a deed that we do. Now, I have at my home a sidewalk in front of my house. That sidewalk over the course of, 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 a, of 11 years of living there has sunk this much. And I am cheap, okay? It cracked the second expansion jo- joint in. So I'm thinking to myself, self, I can raise this up. And so I got to thinking how to do that. And my neighbor got to thinking about how to do that. And he says, I've got a construction jack. If you can jack a hole down and get something hard, I think we can jack it up. I jacked it up, put a bunch of sand, or rocks underneath it, put some bricks under there, and I'll tell you what, it's as level as the day it was made. And I'm telling everybody. Man, I told my brother, I told Keith when he came to pick me up for a meeting, I told my neighbor Ken, I told Bill when he was walking by, I'm like, look what I have done with my hands. I have raised the concrete from sinking into the ground to a level surface. I'm so proud of what I've done. Kid run by on, his, on her little scooter. You know, she's going by my house. I'm like, look at my sidewalk. She's like, stranger danger. And um, sorry, I went all Robin Williams there for a minute. All right. But, 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 but we're so proud of what we've done. And I want to show everything. If this is what I've done with my hands. I, I walk through the Caring Corner, which is our Christian day- daycare here at, here at First Methodist Church. And, and I walk down the hall, and I can never go down that hall without some little child running out of the room with, with you know, that paper plate that, for some reason, preschools love doing art on. And they've done some art projects, and they'll say, Pass a mic! Look what I've done! They're so awesomely, you know, impressed by what they've, what they've done. But here's the thing. We always love what we've done. We do. But we have not done our own salvation. We simply have not. Salvation is not a reward for the things that we've done. Salvation is not a reward for that. There's no salvation checklist that says, say 10 prayers, check, give 10%, check, work for the church 10 hours, check, bam, you're saved. That's not how it works. Salvation is a gift from God. That's why in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of, also, all of us also lived among those at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature, get this, deserving of wrath. But, always circle that when you say but in scriptures, but because of his great love, for us, God. Always look for the but gods, because what it tells us is that things are going this way, but God turns it around the other way. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. 
It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. You see, God saves us. Therefore, we do not boast of our salvations because you cannot brag about that which you have not done. You cannot brag about that which you have not done. So, so that's the first thing. The second reason that God saves by faith alone is that, and it's close to the first, but it translates it. In the first one, we said that faith eliminates the pride of human effort. The second says that faith exalts what God for what he has done, not for what we have done. It is the central tenet of the Christian faith that we are made righteous, not by our own actions, but by Christ. Which is why in, one, in 2 Timothy, Paul writes this. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and his own grace. And in Titus, he says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. See, you see the theme repeating? It's him, 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 him. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He poured out generously the Holy Spirit upon us through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous. He made us righteous and gave us the confidence that we'll, we'll inherit life. God is lifted high in our salvation, not us. It's God who's to be exalted for what he's done for us, not us in what he's done for us. Thirdly, why does God save, save by faith alone? Because faith admits that we can't measure up. We will sin. I've, I've told this a million times. You know, our lives are like this. God sets a target out here, the bullseye right in the center, and tells us that's the effort he wants us to give. This is what's expected of us. This is how we live at one with him. And we, using our quiver, pulling out the arrows of our own efforts, we fire them at the target. And they go this way, that way, and the other way, and none of them hit the target. But God, because of his great mercy, gathers up the arrows of our life, puts them together in a bunch, and jams them right into the bullseye. Because where he, he is and where his intentions are, that is where he desires to have us. It is not by an effort that we make. And we will fall short. We will sin. But God takes us and puts him with ourselves if that is where we want to be. And fourth, why does God save by faith alone? Because faith is based on our relationship with God, not our performance for God. Jesus got so generally annoyed with the Pharisees who would walk around, you know, because they're fasting and whatnot and acting, you know, like they were in trouble and saying, hey, I gave this much money. They were putting a show of their religion, but that's not what Christ wants us. He wants us to be in relationship with God, and that's why it says in the scriptures, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. It doesn't matter if your checklist is correct. It matters what your relationship with God absolutely is. So God has made us right with him. And the question is, then, as we come to the home stretch here, should I join? Should I join? That's asking, do you want this? Do you want Jesus Christ as your Savior? If this is important, then you have to say it out loud with your whole life. Are you ready to put your whole trust in, in, in his grace? Give everything in your life to him? Are you ready to serve him as your Lord all day long, every day? If you are, then the answer to that question, should I join, cannot be said with your inside voice. It has to be said, yes, and absolutely yes. I'll throw my lot with God, and I have no other plan. You see, that is what Keith and I and the church 
present past, and that which is to come proclaims. That if you want a life forever with God that begins in these moments right now, you first need to profess and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as Lord in all of your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for opportunity to be together in worship. We ask, oh God, that you might bless us, guide us, and strengthen us as we seek to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Ryla McVeigh. I have been coming to First United Methodist Church for basically my whole childhood. I have grown up in this church, and a lot of positive experiences come out of this church. I have been involved in many activities, such as summer mission trips, um, puppets, and even 412. Thank you, everyone, at First United Methodist Church for um, just supporting the church and supporting everything that we do here. It greatly helps, and it's definitely changed my life.